Hi folks, this is Jack Spirigo with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is August the 15th, 2012, and this is episode 960 of the Survival Podcast. I have an interesting one for you today. I've got a guy on who's uh, done a lot of research into cancer, and it's something we haven't really talked a lot about in the past, but it is one of the number one killers in the world. It touches about half of all people uh, directly. It touches almost 100% of people indirectly through our loved ones, our friends, and family. And as a killer, it is a direct threat to the number one rule of survival, which is wake up tomorrow breathing. Keith is going to tell you his own personal story, what he's learned, and some real research behind it. He is not selling supplements. He is not uh, hawking or, or, or selling anything. He has an ebook that is free. To me, that gives him a tremendous amount of credibility, and the research that I've seen is exceptional. I am going to give a disclaimer when I introduce him, just to keep myself clean with the FDA, but I want to tell you right out of the gate, I think this is fascinating information, and I think it just might save lives, so I encourage you to listen intently today. Before I bring Keith on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ready Made Resources. What more can you ask for from a company than for their name to tell you what they do, and then they go ahead and do it. That's what Ready Made Resources is. All the resources you need for your prepping, ready made, ready to go, point, click, buy, and they're shipped to your door with lightning fast service and great pricing. Check them out today, readymaderesources.com. Next up today, Bulk Ammo.com. Your gun, no ammo equals expensive club and some of the lighter frame new stuff. It's not even a very good club. Uh, so you need ammo. You need lots of it. You need ammo not just to have stored up so that if uh, you can't get ammo for any reason, you have some. You need ammo so you can train, so you can run your gun, so you can practice. Without that, your gun's not much better either. It's the operator, the ammo, and the gun working together. So if you're going to do that, you need lots of ammo and you need a great price. You'll find it at BulkAmmo.com. And again, those guys are lightning fast with their shipping. Uh, it, it's actually quite uh, amazing how fast your order goes out after you place it. First time, you do have to provide ID. But once you're in the system, man, it's uh, it's almost like I ordered it. Now it's shipping. It's almost that fast. Check them out today. BulkAmmo.com Next up, remember to check out TSPCopper.com That's TSPCopper.com That's where you'll get the Survival Podcast Copper Medallions and many other cool medallions like Ron and Ron, Ron and Rand Paul Medallions, the uh, Second Amendment Medallion, Republic of Texas and a lot of other cool stuff. Remember the pricing is for rolls, not individual coins. They're very affordable. Great way to build up a little bit of barter currency and a great way to share the message about honest money. The American Open Currency Standard, the Survival Podcast, and the real truth about money. Check it out today again, tspcopper.com. Last but not least, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you will get exclusive content available only to members. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that today because I think this is a really exciting episode. I do want to throw in one more thing, though. Episode 1000 is coming. This is episode 960. That means we're 40 episodes away from episode 1000. I want you to be part of it. I'll give out the number to do call-ins for episode 1000 and get on the air today, 866 866- 691-5353. There'll be a link in today's show notes. It'll say, be a part of episode 1000. It'll tell you all about episode 1000 and Revolution 2.0 and how you can be part of both of them. I'd love to have you on. And now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce 
our special guest today. Again, his name is uh, Keith Pendleberry. Uh, and though we're going to talk about cancer, he, uh, he kind of really fits in with the audience here on some other ways. He lives in British Columbia, Canada, and he's lived with his wife and six-year-old daughter in the Yukon over 70 miles from the nearest town. He used to pan for gold, hunt moose and caribou, and live close to the wolves, grizzly bears, and black bears. But with the coming of more children, he moved to civilization while he was trying to keep the principles of self-reliance and independence. He's been a small publisher and printer for many years and focused on learning all he could through health and nutrition research for 40 years with a particular emphasis on what causes and helps your body cure cancer. When his father died in extreme agony from radiation used to treat cancer in 2001, 90 days after his first radiation treatment, Keith swore he would find something that could cure cancer that wouldn't risk death or cause extreme suffering. He's published an ebook. He feels too valuable. It's too valuable to sell it, so he's giving it away for free on his website, onecancercure.com. I really recommend that you go by there, download the ebook. Again, it's onecancercure.com. The, the word is spelled out O N E, cancercure.com. Link in today's show notes. It's, uh, you'll see a link on the site that says uh, ebook. Free ebook, uh, or if you go to the show notes today, I have a direct link to the ebook page so you can download again. It's PDF, click on it, you download it, no opt in, no nothing. And again, that gives this man a lot of credibility because I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things about cancer prevention and treatment, uh, that I think is just to sell bottles of pills or, or what have you that are overpriced. I don't think that's the case here, and I'm really excited to have Keith on the show today. And with that, hey, Keith, welcome to the Survival Podcast, man. Well, hi, Jack. Good morning. Hey, uh, I have you on to talk today about your research into cancer, what you've learned about it, and uh, an ebook that you have. And we're going to do that, but before I do, I just have to say, you know, on the air here, that I've read the book. I find it fascinating. I think it's incredible information, but I'm not endorsing it. I'm not claiming it as a cure, though that's the title of the book, and that's just keep me clean with the FDA. But I'm highly recommending that people listen today intently. I think it might be information that could help save lives, and I highly recommend they get your book after this interview. Um, so I'm just I'm just clearing the air with that. But what I wanted to to, to start out with with you on Keith is exactly kind of you know what what led you to this in the first place. What made you you know look into this? Well, two things really. Uh, number one, I'm father of seven children, and I've always had an interest in health from the time I was 18 years of age, and uh, I wanted, you know, cancer kills half people, heart disease gets the rest, so I always wanted to do a little bit of research. I wanted to stay alive long enough for my own kids and, and to grow up and see my grandchildren and things, and I wanted my kids to be healthy, and so I always did a little bit of research on an, uh, an informational interest uh, area, and uh, I ran across little bits and pieces on the cancer, and I tucked them into my computer. And, and and then at one particular point, my father developed skin cancer, and that really sort of put an interest in it. They uh, had to do some transplants of skin from his legs to his back. He had small tumors all over his back, and that sort of started it. But the thing that really made it happen was in 2001, Dad was diagnosed with a... Uh, potentially fatal cancer on his neck. And they let me know after Christmas that it had been there. And I had worked with some people that had liver cancer here, and and uh, we had had very good results. And I sent this stuff down to Dad, the supplements for him to take. And the oncologist that was treating Dad was really impressed with how well the cancer on his neck was healing up 
started about two to three weeks after he started taking the supplements. And they're not expensive supplements. The, the most expensive one's about 8 or $9 for a bottle that lasts at least 10 days. And uh, so about a month after Dad had shown this to the oncologist and he was impressed, the oncologist phone, oncologist's office phoned Dad back and said, Mr. Pendlebury, time has come for you to take your radiation treatment. And my dad said, well, you know, since it's healing up, I don't really want to take the radiation because why bother to take it if I'm healing? And uh, But they persuaded Dad to go in and see the, the oncologist. And so Dad gets in there and the oncologist makes his case for taking the radiation. It leaves out some very important information. He didn't tell my dad. I found out later. And... Uh, Dad said, well, how about I let the guy who's, there's a big waiting list to get into these particular facilities, and the fellow said, uh, you know, you're on the waiting, you're, you're at the top of the list, now it's time for you to take your cancer treatment. And Dad said, how about we let the guy who is next on the list take my turn, and I'll take his place, and then if the stuff my son sent me stops working and don't get healed, then I can just be the next guy in line. And the doctor looked at my dad and said, that's fine, Mr. Henry, except for one thing. If you don't take the radiation now, you go to the very end of the waiting list and you'll have to wait two years. Well, dad was 84. He was living with my sister Val, who's tantamount to an angel uh, for looking after mom and dad. And he wanted to see his grandchildren. And so he persuaded them. They persuaded him to take the radiation treatment. 90 days after his first radiation treatment, he died. The last couple of weeks before he died, now they were about 3,000 miles east of me in eastern Canada, I would get calls from my sister. Now, my sister Val is a registered practical nurse in the province of Ontario. <laughs> she has seen more people die than anybody else I know of, as looking after seniors' homes and many, many very ill people. I have never known my sister to become totally distraught bawling and unable to talk very much, but she did that every time she phoned and she just couldn't believe the pain Dad was going through. My, my sister had unlimited morphine to give my dad, and she couldn't give him enough to kill the pain. She was almost hysterical because there was nothing more she could do with him. When Dad died, I swore there would be something I would find that would seek to it. Nobody ever had to go through that again if I could possibly do it. And that was the motivation behind this. Roger came along after that, and uh, he's the story that we detailed in the book. I've dealt with other people, but Roger is probably the best example because we have Roger's diagnosis of prostate cancer all the way through to the time the doctor told him he was terminal, all the way through to the point where they finally admitted after a couple of years after he was basically all his cancer had disappeared that he didn't have cancer anymore. And so it's nice to have from the oncologist's files all of the medical tests that demonstrate exactly what happened. And that's why I put it in the book so that other people could realize that there were alternatives that were available to them if they wanted to take them. Well, first, let me say your story is very moving, and I think it's something that touches just about everybody. As you've said, uh, statistically, cancer kills anywhere between one and three to, to, to one out of two of every people in the world today. And I think that we've all lived through something similar to what you're talking about. In, in my case, it was my wife's mother who had uh, liver and pancreatic cancer, very advanced stage cancer by the time it was uh, diagnosed. 
and she was talked into taking chemotherapy. Not to save her because she was actually told that it would make the you know the last months of her life possibly better. And the first round of chemo, you know, she had like skin peeling off her tongue. She almost she almost died from the chemo. Uh, she probably would have been much better off to have done nothing at the, the stage that she was at. What you're talking about certainly couldn't have hurt anything. Um, but it seems to me that there's times where these treatments are forced onto patients or they're talked into them uh, when the the patient would be better off not engaging them. So. Uh, just know that your story's heard, understood, and probably felt by you know thousands of people out there listening today. Um, well, if, they go, if they go to my website, which is onecancercure.com, just the word onecancercure.com, I put up ten videos in the last couple of weeks, and one of them is the story of the Novaros, whose son, four-year-old son, had a brain tumor, and what the FDA ran that family through. And uh, it's a DVD that can be bought from a company online that made the DVD. It's called uh, Cut, Burn, no, let's see, Burn, Cut, Heat with Poison. And you can actually see the trailer of it there along with another. But I have a fellow who is a done autopsies on people who have died of cancer, many, many, many of the autopsies. And he makes the point in the little, in the short clip that's on there that you never get from the, on the death certificate that they died of the chemo or they died of the radiation. They always say they died of the cancer because if they say that the person died of the radiation or died of the chemo, then they get another medical professional in trouble and they get in trouble too. And he says if you want to be basically thrown out of pathology, you put down that you know, some treatment that some other physician did killed somebody, and he says, you know, that's the end of your career pretty much right there. You won't be working at that hospital anymore. It's but, sad, and I know that's factual. I absolutely know that from my own research that that is absolutely factual. Now, let me tell you a story about somebody that I worked with that had liver cancer, and I, I detail some of this in the ebook. There was a gentleman that uh, surgically had a colon tumor removed about the size of a small grapefruit, uh, by Dr. Saab, one of the, our local surgeons, now retired. And while the surgeon was in there, he noticed that two-thirds of this man's liver were completely involved in cancer. And he suggested to him that he had, at the most, 90 days to live. About six weeks later, I got a phone call. And I didn't know this, of course, in the beginning. About six weeks later, I got a phone call from a lady, and she says, Who are you? And I do get phone calls like that fairly regularly. And I said, well, my name is Keith Pendleberry. And she said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I help people. And she said, I have your number's in the book. And I said, yeah. And she says, well, are you a medical doctor? I said, no. I said, I just have time to do research and I do it. And she said, well, I mentioned to, two, to a bunch of people today that my husband was probably going to die in the next six weeks to two months and uh, because he had liver cancer. And two of the people said I should call you. I have no idea to this day who those two people were but I persuaded them to come when I found out what it was and I was still working on the protocol but I had some ideas because I had the research that was done by the Arizona Cancer Institute and Cornell University and things like that and I proposed to him that he might try this because he had nothing left to lose and so we got him uh, 10 selenium tablets a day and had none of the supplements to make it work better but we tried those and 
then he vanished. Never heard a word from the guy, never heard any more from his wife, got involved in other things. Fourteen months later, I'm out in front of the health food store where we got the stuff for him, and I hear some uh, a voice over in the truck in the parking lot, and I walk over to see what it is, and here it is, is this guy looking perfectly healthy, sitting in the truck with his wife talking about something, and I ask him what the story was, and he'd been taking, he told me he'd been taking the tablets all along. He had been working in the Northwest Territories in the Yukon, making $120,000 a year. He'd been on $84,000 a year disability. After him not dying for a year, the company asked him if he wanted to come back to work, and he wanted to go back, but they were having an argument because she wanted him to continue to taking the 10 tablets a day. He decided he was cured and he didn't want to take the 10 tablets a day anymore, didn't want to be reminded he ever had cancer, asked me what I thought. I told him, well, with two-thirds of your liver, that's a huge amount of liver the tissue that could be cancerous. I would continue to take it. It's only costing you $20, $30 a month, not very much. You can afford it. But if you stop taking it and the cancer comes back, I don't think there's going to be anything we could do. He decided he was going to go up north and not take it. Sixty days later, they flew him out. Two weeks later, he was dead. So it was working for him, but it was keeping it in check because of the massive amount of tissue that was involved. But even in that case, it worked. And I was, you know, these are sort of the, some of the cases. We had a case, uh, when, if you remember from the book, that I have an introduction in the book from a fellow who is a Royal Canadian Mounted Policeman, retired now, Bill Crozier, who did investigations undercover and did evidence preparation for trial. And I gave the book to Bill, as I was going to say, give it before I printed it out, and I said, Bill, you're used to presenting things for trial. Would this stand up in court? And he says, I can get you convicted for killing, for curing cancer on this evidence that you've got right here. <laughs> uh, what I didn't, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, no, I was laughing because of the way that he phrased that. But um, I, I do want to point out something for everybody listening today before we go on forward. This ebook is free. You're not asking for people to come to you and pay you as a consultant. You're a mission-driven person giving this away. And the supplements you're talking about using, they could go down to their local health food store and buy inexpensively. And I think it's important because we hear so much from, you know, some super supplement company or whatever that has this miracle cure-all. And that's not what you're saying. You're talking about research-based stuff and real information we'll get into a bit on third parties that did this research. But all of this led you to what you call the Pendlebury Protocol. Can you describe what that is? Well, first off, I want to say it isn't named after me. I named it after my dad. Okay. First time people called me Mr. Pendlebury after my dad died felt really strange. <laughs> my, Mr. Pendlebury was always my dad. But I named it after him because he tried it and he proved that it was working. But basically what I wanted to do was... Uh, on the evidence, it appeared as though, uh, I think that one of the most, the best pieces of evidence that I really got, the one that was most hopeful, actually was the Donaldson study that was done at the St. Louis Veterans Hospital in the mid-1970s. Dr. Donaldson believed, and selenium has been used back as far as 1911 to fight tumors. They used to inject uh, a selenium injection directly into the skin, tumors that were broken through the skin. 
and it worked very well there. Anyway, Dr. Donaldson believed that selenium would work, and what he got was 140 people who had 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 cancer, all vets. Some of them had had surgery, some of them had chemo, some had radiation, some of them had all three, and they had all failed. The cancer had come back, and they were all declared terminal. So he got two people who were oncologists, cancer specialists, who had never seen these people, to look over their records and diagnose them, and all 140 were cleared as being terminal. And then he offered them the chance to have their blood tested for the selenium level in the blood, and then he would give them a selenium tablet, the same as what I'm suggesting people buy, and some of them would get three, some of them would get ten, depending on how high or low their selenium was in their blood, and he would see what happened. Now, Donaldson died, I believe it was in a car accident, partway through the study, so it was never actually published in his name, and we can't get the breakout of the actual groups and who got what and how many lived what of in every particular group. But as I recall reading the report, 106 of those 140 people, some of whom were believed to be dying within a matter of a few weeks, were still alive four years later with no signs of cancer. That was the first one that I ran across. That really gave me the, the, the impression that this was something that was underrated, underused, and could help. And, and these people weren't aggressively treated with other mediums because they were considered terminal. Well, they had they had had every treatment that was available at the time. They'd already had it. Okay. They'd already had it, and they so they'd had whatever surgery to remove whatever was there, whatever chemo, whatever radiation was was possible in those days with whatever was available. They'd already had it, and it had failed, and the cancer had come back, and still. 75% survival rate on people who are terminal, and the only thing different about them after they're declared terminal was they got between 3 and 10 tablets a day of a selenium use supplement. And I would say that any pharmaceutical research company that got that type of a result with a quote-unquote new drug uh, would be charging $20,000 a pill for it and singing its praises to high heaven, but since this is just a common everyday garden variety supplement, not so much. Seven cents a day. It can't be patented. <laughs> okay? Yeah. yeah so yeah. Now, the next thing was that I ran across was 1983. This is the Arizona, Arizona University Cancer Institute and Cornell University did a joint study. They got uh, 1,312 people who had already had skin cancer at least once. So these people were in the eastern United States, and they did them at dermatology clinics. There were clinics in Augusta and Macon, Georgia, Columbia, South Carolina, Wilson and Greenville, South Carolina, Miami, and in Connecticut. And the eastern part of the United States and the Pacific Northwest are very low in selenium in the soil. So an average that people get there between 50 and 85 micrograms, millions of a gram of selenium in their normal diet per day. And what they did was for Four and a half years, half of that group got one sugar pill, and the other half got one selenium yeast tablet per day. At the end of four and a half years, everybody got sugar pill. At the 10-year point, they actually stopped the study because they found that although 
there was no reduction in skin cancer. There was a, six, a 71% reduction in the percentage of people who got prostate cancer, 67% reduction in the people who got colorectal cancers, 62% reduction in the people who got lung cancers, and 46%, sorry, uh, yeah, 46% uh, of another type of cancer. And that was absolutely stunning. And they realized that they couldn't continue the study on the people getting the sugar pill because that meant more people would die. <laughs> now, some of the people who got the selenium did die, but we know that one tablet a day isn't going to have any impact on people who already have existing cancers. They would need more. But if one simple selenium yeast tablet a day could give you a 70% less likelihood of getting prostate cancer, every man in the United States should have one. You've got a choice. You want to pay $0.07 cents a day to have no problem or $300,000 and have some of the nightmares that I see come across my computer screen every day. Well, and I mean, my, my statement to that would be it's seven cents a day. Even if it was just reduce your likelihood 50%, it's, it's, it's an easy investment to make. Um, I, I would also want to point out, you're not saying like this is like a cure-all for all cancers, are you? You're saying that it has a, a, an effect and a measurable effect, and it's a proven measurable effect by real medical research. Yeah, well, we know exactly how the selenium, we, I wouldn't say exactly right down to the molecule of how it works, but we know the principle that it works. It works one of two things. And it takes advantage of something that chemo theoretically is trying to do, but is set up the way chemo works doesn't work. The problem is this. When the cancers, cancers that form tumors, which are the big killers, uh, always produce, those cells always produce a hormone to cause blood vessels to grow towards them. Those blood vessels then are able to give unlimited nutrition to the cancer cells. So the cancer cells have one amazing strength, and that is their programmed death switch is turned off. So whereas every brain cell, every stomach cell, every pancreas cell in your body has a death uh factor built into it so it will die at a certain point. It's like a that, clock. It counts down and at that time, down. healthy or not, that cell's done and it gets replaced. It's gone to get replaced. But in cancer cells, that isn't the case. Those cells are immortal and they keep growing. We, we, they're actually in the research labs now. There's 27 tons of cancer cells from a breast cancer that a woman had in her 50s and they use that as the standard for measuring a lot of things. But those cells, you'd have to just about nuke them to kill them. And anyway, what happens is this. The selenium, which is uh, can be, if you get the wrong kind of selenium, and or you get way, 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 way too much, is a toxic chemical. And the cancer cells so absorb selenium 5,000 times faster than normal cells. This has been proven, and the lab test that shows that is actually in the ebook. And the cancer cells suck in the selenium, and one of two things happens. Either that poisons the cancer cell directly, so it dies, or it reprograms the off death switch to being an on death switch, and the cancer cells will die their normal uh, death at a given time without reproducing and making more cells. 
and that that way, that's how you get rid of the tumors. The problem with chemo is that 85% of all the cells in a tumor are normal cells. They aren't cancerous, and they act to reject chemicals coming into the tumor and protect the cells because your body tries to do that with every poison. And cells can reject largely uh, chemicals. They can selectively allow chemicals in or selectively keep them out. And it's why chemo doesn't work very good. The other problem with chemo is that chemo kills every new growing cell in the body, whether it's in your brain, it's in your liver, it's in your pancreas, it's in your kidneys, whatever. Hopefully in the process, it kills some of the cancer cells. The beauty of the selenium is that it is selectively taken up by the cancer cells 5,000 times faster than new cells, and as long as you have cancer, it would be pretty much physiologically impossible for you to overdose on the selenium. The only time we know when people actually were poisoned by selenium that was in a supplement was in the 70s when a company made uh, a pill that was supposed to have 25 micrograms, made a mistake, it was a toxic form of selenium, it had 25,000 micrograms in it, and after two to three months, people started having the same kind of effect, hair loss and whatnot, as if they were taking chemo. But it wasn't until they were taking the equivalent of about three bottles of selenium that I recommend every day that the, for months they started having that problem. So very, very safe form of selenium to have. Well, absolutely. I think if you took that much of anything, it would likely cause you problems. That much chocolate would probably cause you problems. So it was. It, it's a matter of anything in excess can become toxic. But it, it does, from, from all the research I've done on selenium, it seems remarkably safe and at far higher levels than the USDA you know, recommended daily allowance. Well, on the website, I've put a, there's a, a book that was published in 2000 that dealt with selenium and carotenoids, vitamin E and vitamin C, and it details, it, you can actually buy the link in the book, in, in the uh, website, you can download the book, it's 529 pages long, produced by the government in 2000, and it has in it all that the government was, was allowed to say, and it's really interesting to read because they, they give all these positive studies that say, you know, it, People that took 200 micrograms of selenium had one-third the likelihood of getting prostate cancer and all the rest of these things. And then at the end, they have a summary which basically says, even though we said all that, we really don't think you should take any more. Like smokers, for instance, it says if you take 2,000 micrograms of or milligrams of vitamin C per day, it's like you're not smoking because you don't do the damage to your arteries. The, the stuff doesn't do your arteries any, any harm. And yet... For smokers, they only recommend 125 milligrams of vitamin C as being enough when it's obvious that 2,000 would pretty much make the difference between most of them dying of cancer and not. Uh, it's, it's, anytime you have a government bureaucracy that has a tendency to want to get hired to do the next project, they don't want to offend the people that they're writing for. Yeah, and cut themselves off of their their uh, gravy train of funding either. So, do you right. feel do you feel that we can actually, through these simple supplementations, prevent most cancers? What I would really prefer, obviously, right now I'm dealing mostly with people who have cancer and some of them whose life is on the line. And I I just had a call before you and I were talking from a fellow who's on vacation and he's got the ebook and 
he's got prostate cancer and his PSA is doubling every three to four months, and so what are we going to do? And so we've, we're setting that up for him. Uh, I believe that if everybody would simply take, if, if everybody who has no history of cancer and none whatsoever would simply take one selenium tablet a day, they would find over a period of a few years, their risk would decline hugely down probably they would, and it wouldn't be just the three or four cancers that we looked at, it would be every form of cancer. Obviously, you'd like to stay somewhat out of the sun and avoid skin burn, uh, sunburn and all the rest of that if you possibly could. But if you had enough supplementation and decent food, didn't poison yourself otherwise, you got at least 80% likelihood of not getting any form of cancer. Uh, selenium is not a cure-all, but it's obviously something that your body uses. It's one of the uh, most important of the elements that your body has. And even if a one tablet a day for four and a half years, ten years ago, can give you a 70% less risk of getting prostate cancer, it's obviously important to have it. It is it, Your body uses it to make uh, an antioxidant. Every cell makes it. It's called superoxide dismutase. And your body uses that to, to detoxify poisons it's exposed to. Selenium will combine with mercury in your body, for instance, and put it into a form that can't poison you. Uh, they have realized in the last couple of years that if when people get radiation or chemo, they give them 2,000, somewhere between 400 and 2,000 micrograms of selenium at the time of the treatment, it reduces the side effects, increases the effectiveness, they say, of the chemo. I think what happens is it replaces what the chemo is going to do, and the chemo is there as the thing that makes the doctor's income, and selenium is what there that does the work. I know there's a lot of doctors that don't like to hear that, but that's probably what it is. Chemochemicals, I'm am, I am told, are the only chemicals, the only prescriptions that a doctor can make where he makes between 60 and 80% profit on. And actually, he's the one that has to sell them. He buys them from the, from the company and sells them to you. And most of what you pay is actually what he gets, his share. There's definitely many things wrong with the medical community. You won't get any defense of it from me at all. It's something I've been on for a long time with people. Um, I wanted to ask, though, in addition to the selenium, are there other uh, supplements that you, you recommend that people take? Well, it depends on their situation, but uh, most of the supplements that I recommend are actually come from one particular company that does most of their things come directly from food that is approved for human consumption. And so if you could eat enough of the food, you could get the same thing. Uh, as a preventative, one of the very best things that people could eat, for instance, is Brussels sprouts or broccoli or kale or cabbage, anything in those families, and eat enough of those, uh, two or three really good servings a week, because there's a compound in all of those that will go to uh, every cell in your body and there are receptors on the outside of each cell that different chemicals can walk into and make changes or enter into the, into the cell. And the ones that are in the brassica-type vegetables, the Brussels sprouts, broccoli, that sort of thing, block those spots so that cancer-causing chemicals can't go in those. Uh, other things that you could take that would help, uh, obviously, now I, I recommend a form of vitamin E, and there's only one I can find that has all eight forms of vitamin E in it. Most 
vitamin E that you see on the shelves is D-alpha-tocopherol or D-L-alpha-tocopherol. The L form is a synthetic, as far as I'm concerned, is useless. But there are actually eight forms of vitamin E, and I can find only one supplement that has all eight, and I have the reference material here as to what it does and what each of those eight forms do. Uh, then you need natural vitamin C, which is much more, and the bioflavonoids. The supplements that I recommend are actually designed to, if somebody's really in serious trouble with cancer, help recycle the selenium that they've already taken that has killed some cancer cells so it can take, it can kill more cancer cells. They don't have to continue taking higher and higher amounts. You just recycle what's in their body and that works very well. In the Darlison study, the most anybody had was 2,000 micrograms a day, and you've got a 75% survival rate. So obviously selenium is the key. But most of the other things that you can do are the carotenoid chemicals, carotenoid compounds, which are the colored uh, co colorings in fruits and vegetables, like the red and red peppers or the orange and pumpkin or cantaloupe or things like that. Those are all amazing things to do, uh, the, the orange and carrots, for instance. Uh, other things that you can take are the flavonoids, and the flavonoids are found most of the time in the white that's uh, underneath the colored part of the orange peel or the lemon peel. I like to make lemonade. I, I skin off the yellow part off of the lemon. I have a big Vitamix blender, quarter up the lemons, throw a bit of sugar in to the thing, make myself some lemonade. That is absolutely fabulous stuff for you. So you can do the same thing with uh, if you wanted grapefruit juice or tangerine juice or orange juice or whatever. Just peel off the colored part of the outside because that's where the bitter part is and make your own. Those are wonderful things to do and they are helpful and preventative. Um, anything along that line, I've, the, the ebook and the website are, are growing and I already have about six more pages of material that's going to go up sometime in September on the ebook, uh, well, not in the ebook, but that's not going to change, but on the website that will tell people things that are more on the preventive side. And that's what I would really do people look at. You know, parents buy, you know, they got the teenage daughters. If, if every girl, young girl in the United States had one selenium tablet, uh, say from her late teens on, uh, by the time she hit her 40s, 80% of all breast cancer would have vanished from the United States medical system. So just if I can re-summarize what you've said on the supplements, the selenium's the big one. You also yep. think that natural vitamin C is, 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 is important. There's a vitamin E that has all eight forms, and I'm going to ask you about that in a second, and uh, carotenoids and flavonoids and things like that we get from colored vegetables and, and, and things like that. Those are the big things that we can include in our diet as a preventative. Yep. And now there's one, if for people that have chemo, I just ran across one thing the other day, people that have had chemo, uh, there is a supplement that I found that will actually detoxify the body of the chemo chemicals people had if they've already had chemo treatment. Uh, I've talked to people and they've, they're, ten years later, they're still feeling the effects chemo, and I'm not sure that it's because the stuff is still inside them, but I found a fellow who was a toxicologist at Stanford University who developed a, a supplement, which is about $40 for a month worth, and you probably, most people wouldn't need more than two months of it, and that will detoxify their body as much as it can be done 
of whatever's left after the chemo treatment's over. Uh, you can't take it. For instance, if you're taking prescription drugs or whatever, because they won't work, it'll just have them flushed out. But uh, if you're not taking prescription drugs, you can take that, and it will get rid of heavy metals and toxic chemicals in your body as much as can be done. Do you think that that would be a good thing for people that are not on medication of any kind right now and don't have cancer, haven't been through cancer, might still be a good thing for them to take because of how much pollutant and toxin there is around today? Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think, they might need to take maybe one or two tablets of that a week might be a good thing. I mean, there's 90 tablets in a bottle, so one bottle at two a week would last you almost a year. Yeah. And that would be a super, I mean, I did toxic chemical seminars for 10 years about the toxic chemicals that are in household products and industrial products. And most people's homes are, it's just, it's no wonder that the cancer rate in children has doubled in 25 years because uh, they're the most exposed of all the people in the home. And women are next because they're the ones that most exposed. Guys all get work. The guys get least less chemical exposure from that source because they're not in the home doing all the cleaning and other sorts of things as much. But there was a chemical that was uh, in laundry detergents for years, probably still there. That was a very that was specifically known to cause breast cancer. I couldn't believe that that was actually there when I did the research, but it it was. So, I mean, that's another thing that we need to look at, too, from a prevention standpoint, is not just the supplementation or the treatment after we acquire this, but also the prevention of exposure to these chemicals. So are there certain things people really should get out of their homes? Well, yes. Uh, I'm preparing a list right now. If uh, There's email contact the links in the ebook if you go to it on- online or on the website online and people can drop me and just click on one of the links and just send me a thing of what it is. It's not quite prepared yet. Uh, I'm trying to distill about three gigabytes of research down into something that is a few pages, and uh, it's taking more time because I want to make sure people understand. Don't get panicky, but at the same time understand the relative uh, ease of doing it if they do. But most of the time, uh, the stuff that you buy, we all think, used to think, I used to think, uh, was all approved by somebody as being healthy and fine and all the rest of it. And uh, when you realize that it's not and you look at the material safety data information on uh, what's ta- toxic and what isn't and what causes cancer and what they're known and what the ingredients are, it is scary as heck. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Now, I was reading in your book that there is, if we look at a person who would be on selenium supplementation, and if they do get cancer, the rate of growth of that cancer cell and the body's ability to deal with it versus a person that was being exposed to harsh chemicals and not taking selenium, that that growth rate would be higher. Is that, is that, did I get that right? Yeah. Well, I, I know specifically in, in breast cancer, for instance, normal breast cancer tumor cells double in number every 100 days. If a woman is exposed very commonly, uh, the, her exposure would be through laundry detergents, for instance. And uh, she was exposed to one of the chemicals in a laundry detergent. Um, could be just as simple as breathing in the fumes when she does her laundry once or twice a week. And, and could you tell us what that chemical is? <laughs> well, one of them is, tri- uh, let's see, nitrilotriacetate. Okay. Okay. And uh, there's... There's dozens of them. The interesting thing is most people think there's a standard formula for laundry detergents, but the fact is that most of the brands might have a dozen different formulas depending on what's cheapest that time of year when that's being made. They want something that gives a certain result, 
and the formula that they use can vary. Um, but if they had, if if they're exposed to chemicals that are what they call xenoestrogens, Z-E-N-O estrogens, which are chemicals that mimic the effect of estrogen in a woman's body, and there are thousands of those chemicals out there. Even tamoxifen, which is something used to fight breast cancer, is considered a liver carcinogen after a couple of years, so you can't, you're not supposed to use it after that. But if she's exposed to these xenotype estrogens, and you can get those, those can come out of the milk, for instance, that used to be processed milk for F, under the FDA rules, leached this stuff out because it was used in the manufacturing of plastics. Um, the breast cancer cells will double a number, not every 100 days, but every 28 or 29 days. Now, if a woman had one breast cancer cell at, and it doubled at the normal rate, that would become a tumor the size of a pea in about 11 years, at which time it would be big enough to be found by breast self-examination. It would not be aggressive. The chances of it having spread would be essentially zero. It could be removed with a simple lumpectomy. I mean, anytime you're doing surgery like that, it's, for a guy to say simple lumpectomy would be is really very ignorant because it's major surgery to the woman. But it's a lot better than a radical mastectomy. If, however she is exposed to those xenoestrogens and they double every 28 and 29 days. That means that it would become a tumor the size of a pea in two years and a couple of months and it would be 80% likely to have spread to her ribs, her lungs, or other parts of her body. And the chances of curing it then dramatically drop down to less than 5% survival out a year and a half. If you didn't do anything about it, it would be growing so fast that within another year, year and a bit, you would actually have enough turkey mass to, to weigh as much as a 20-pound turkey. That's and, the and difference I, that it makes. That's, that's incredible. And I think the big thing for people to take in is not just that it gets to the same size in a little over two years is 10, but even when they're the same size, the damage that they've done in those yep. two different environments is completely, totally different from each other. Right. Now, the, one of the interesting things that they did find, and I put this in the ebook, was that if the, and this wasn't even the best form of selenium, this was sodium selenite, which is the kind that I say isn't therapeutic. But they did some tests on that in petri dishes, cancer cells growing, and they found that if you gave the selenium, it slowed the growth of the cancer cells down by 80%, so that instead of it taking two years and a couple of months for the most aggressive form of cancer to get breast cancer cells, to get to the size of a pea, it would take over 10 years. And the advantage of that was that it gives people time to find out and time to treat and dramatically increases the survival rate. And uh, anything, and the last thing you want to do is actually have to deal with the terror of being told you have cancer. I, I had cancer on my cheek uh, about the same time that my dad had uh, his cancer. I had it before him, and it was removed. But I know firsthand what it's like for the doctor to look up at you with a look uh, in his face and tell you, wondering whether or not you're going to collapse in his office as he tells you that you have cancer. And you don't ever want to go through that. No parent wants to go through that. Nobody wants to hear that about their parent. Uh, I'm dealing with a, a lovely lady in Colorado right now who has purchased the supplements and we're having them shipped to her for her mother who lives in uh, Arizona. 
and the lady in Arizona has liver cancer and 120 tumors on her liver, and it's already spread to the bones. And we're in for the battle of her life. I'm we had we had three or four phone calls. I, you know, if people need to talk to me, they just send me an email, and I have my my telephone system gives me total ability to call any place in North America. I don't have to pay extra for it, and I call people back, and we talk on the phone for whatever number of minutes, hours, or whatever it takes, as often as they need to talk. As long as I can do that, I would love to do that. Wow. And I don't charge anybody for that either because <laughs> other people have helped me in life. You know, yeah. I'm, up now, I'm up now for a kidney transplant. I have five people who have volunteered to donate kidneys to me and uh, or be tested at least. And uh, I'm going to sit back and, and act high and mighty and say, no, I've got mine, and, you know, you can look after yourself. No. I believe helping people is rent we pay for staying alive, and I, I want to stay alive for a long time. I've got a gorgeous wife who absolutely love and loves me, and I want to make sure that uh, my 20 grandchildren have some of grandpa's learning if I can share it on, and if not, when I stand before Heavenly Father and he says, well, Pendleberry, you weren't the brightest bulb on the tree down there, were you, all the time? And I'll have to say no. And he said, well, you smartened up at the end. You helped a lot of people. I guess we'll let you in. I hope I hear that. <laughs> well, I hope you don't hear it for a while. Uh, I don't, sure I, I don't either. I, got I, I know you know the old saying that everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Uh, and, and I think that's why we're, you know, we're paying attention to things like the work that you're doing here. Um, and I think a big thing that people need to really take away from everything that you've been saying here uh, is not just the prevention aspect, but the prevention or the reduction, the propensity to spread. Because generally speaking, if you have anything the size of a pea anywhere in your body other than maybe the center of your brain, it can be removed. It's not the one tumor that kills the cancer patient. It's the cancer spreading and metastasizing through the body. Well, there's a, and there's an interesting thing. In January of this year, there was a, a document that was published in Cancer Cell, which is a journal that's uh, important in the cancer industry. And they made a note of something which people need to look at, and this is, this is something that people don't generally know, and most of their cancer specialists don't tell them either. Cancer tumors, in addition to producing the hormone that caused blood cells to grow towards them, also produce another hormone that suppresses other tumors from growing. And so when your surgeon goes in and removes the tumor, what then happens is the control over any other small tumors that are in your body already is removed, and they start to grow like weeds. And so it's important that you have a treatment. So a lot of times why they suggest chemo is because they say, well, we didn't get it all. But what they don't tell you is is that they're aware of this. They have become aware of this. This was known for years, but it was finally proven, and they did percentages and things in the article. And it basically they said if you remove the one within six months, you could count on having at least three more for every one that was removed. And that's scary. Now, if you don't have something going to cover the ones that aren't growing yet, the time to get them is before they really start growing like weeds. That's the best time to get them. And that's one of the things that the selenium does really well. Well, that alone was probably worth the uh, the 45 minutes we spent together on the air today, Keith. And, and, and thank you for that. And I think that has to make people really consider deeper uh, their treatment options when they are facing that diagnosis. And I'm sure you'd be willing to help as many people as you possibly could. 
And I'm sure you want as many people as po you possibly can get to uh, download and read your ebook. So you want to tell people where they can get that ebook? All you have to do is type in three words into I'd use Firefox as my search engine uh, on Google. One cancer cure. The word one, O N E, cancer cure. And the website should come up and just click on the link and there are on the fourth page of the website is the link. You just click on it. Now, I made a point. I don't even ask for your email address. I can't follow this up in any way. I'm not trying to sell you anything. But if I can help you in any way, the links are in there. Just get back to me by email. Hundreds of people do. Thousands of people have downloaded the ebook as far away as India, Australia, New Zealand, all the rest of it. I'll help anybody anywhere, anytime I can. Well, Keith, I appreciate you being there, and I will put a link to your website in the show notes for today's show as well. And I thank you for the work that you're doing. I thank you for being willing to come on and share some of the more difficult parts of your story with us openly. Uh, that takes a lot of courage, and, and standing in the face of current medical wisdom takes a lot of courage as well. So I thank you so much for being here today, and I thank you so much for the work that you've done. Thank you, Jack. I look forward to helping anybody we can anytime, your, your, your people especially. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spirico today along with Keith Pendleberry helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Shut is